With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Yablet! Four goals to Ablett. Oh, Justin Madden's got the set. One hand. Oh, oh, oh. oh the post is broken. Matthews hit it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your football life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Oh, Matthew, it is about celebrating lives and celebrating the footy lives of some of our champions. A lot of them, like me, have got a bit of years and a bit of vintage in them. But today's guest is just out of the game, and he is, even now, an endangered species. He's a Collingwood Premiership captain. He played 208 games for Collingwood between 2004 and 2014. 2009, he was All-Australian. He is Nick Maxwell, and he joins us. Joins us, Nick, welcome to This Is Your Footy Life. Thanks for having me, Rex. Well, you've earned it. Uh, we only speak to the very, very creme de la creme here, mate. Uh, <laughs> tell us about you. You're growing up in Geelong, uh, particularly before you attended St. Joseph's and played footy and then moved on to the Falcons. Uh, tell us about your earliest memories as a kid at uh, Cario Bay and also your first memories of playing with a footy in the park. Yeah, I guess we're actually uh, down in Geelong, um, St. Joseph's. Uh, the school, not the footy club. They weren't they weren't aligned um, in the early stages. So I was there for uh, playing under, when I was six years old, playing under nines and under tens. And um, I was very small compared to a lot of the other boys, but just loved being out there and just having a kick. And um, probably one of the uh, the really good memories I've got was uh, as a 13 year old dad actually coached the team, and um, we ended up we played against Lara, who had won every game for the year, had beaten us three times, and we uh, managed to knock them off in the grand final. So wow. That was a bit of uh, early success, and uh, I guess look, for me it was just just love playing with my mates. And um, you play at lunchtime at school, and then you play on the weekends. And yeah. um, I guess when you get to about the age of, of fourteen, fifteen, that's when uh, you start. There's a few squads and uh, and uh, representative teams and that that start to get picked, and you start yeah. to think, well, I wonder what the possibilities are. Well, we'll get on with that for the minute, uh, Nick Maxwell. But I can remember as a kid when I had hair, and of course that was centuries ago. Uh, Ray Gablik. <laughs> And uh, Johnny Henderson and uh, Frank Tuck were my absolute heroes with Murray Wiedemann at Collingwood. Who was your childhood role model? Who did you really, really like uh, reading about or, you know, perhaps watching on the telly as a kid? Yeah, for me, Rexy, I was, uh, I was a Hawthorne supporter. So my uh, my great-granddad played uh, some reserve footy at Hawthorne. Then my, wow. grand, my granddad played... Um, reserve footy and actually won the the league best and fairest at one stage in uh, yeah. whatever league that was under under VFL at the time. Um, but but neither went on uh, to play. And Dad uh, he loved his footy and was good at it. But he uh, he got an apprenticeship at the age of about sixteen seventeen. So that's sort of a building apprenticeship. So that took um, I guess uh, more preference for him because he was never going to sort of go on to play VFL footy. Um, yeah. So growing up, spoken for Hawthorne. Um, 
that was a strange one. Not a lot of people uh, probably would have had this guy as his hero, but the guy that I really loved and looked up to is Anthony Condon. Um, wow, for Hawthorne, yeah. number three, yeah, yeah, in the middle. And, yeah. Um, I just loved uh, his aggression. We used to go up to Waverley Park uh, occasionally and watch uh, the Hawks. It was a big trip from down Geelong. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I used to love the way that he'd go about it. And Dad and I would quite often uh, see him come out after after half time and say he'd take <laughs> his angry pills and he'd fight up the boys. And uh, you'd see he was always having a crack. So um, oh. I, I liked watching him. But also... For me, the uh, the senior players at St Joey's Footy Club, because uh, it's a bit different uh, back then compared to what it is now, where there's social media and there's so much every game's covered and there's a million footy shows on. But yeah. back then, um, I guess you didn't have the access that you have now. So the the senior footy players at, at St Joey's, they were the ones you play uh, the juniors in the morning. You'd hang around all day and watch the reserves and the seniors, and you'd go out at quarter time and three quarter time and talk to them and touch them and look at them, and um, we're sort of a lot of good players at that time with uh, McCartan and uh, Hungerford and Gee. and all the Smith brothers and all these guys who are, who are legends down there in Geelong who, yes. uh, who I really looked up to. Too right. Nick Maxwell is our special guest on This Is Your Footy Life. The 208-game Collingwood Premiership captain has joined us thanks to Tobin Brothers celebrating lives. And you're too uh, uh, too early to be worrying about Tobin Brothers at the moment, mate, <laughs> but uh, we're just celebrating the footy life of Nick Maxwell. Uh, Geelong Falcons, uh, early 2000s, uh, Luke Hodge, Jimmy Bartell, uh, Gary Ablett Jr. all went on to Premiership glory. Uh, the Goose, Matty Maguire from St Kilda to Brisbane, still did his best under an injury cloud. But you weren't drafted and you headed north uh, to Ballarat. Yeah, well, probably just taking a step back from that, the, the first time you really, those representative teams start to happen, Rex, um, is uh, as a 14-year-old getting invited down to the Falcons um, for down to 15s and I went down there as a 14-year-old and they sort of have a big squad of 70 or 80 and every week they, they cut groups of 8 or 10. Um, and I got to the day before they, they were going to announce their full team and I was into the last section cut. Um, the next year I was invited back down again and the same process and I was in the last one cut. Uh, as a 16-year-old um, for the under-18s, I went down there and trained for the, the pre-season and got pretty far and then got cut. Uh, yeah. And as a 17-year-old, um, which the boys of Falcons actually won the premiership that year, and, and Jimmy Bartow obviously a mate of mine. He was playing, but uh, I was I was doing the whole preseason, and then in the first practice match, I broke a vertebrae in my back, so I was out for about five or six months. I got oh. cut then as well, so it sort of oh. I, I never really thought I was going to get there because I sort of never had been part of those squads. But yeah. fortunately enough, as, a, as an 18 year old, I managed to make um, the squad and, and played every game, and um, we had a very good team. Obviously, all those guys that you reeled off, I think. 13 guys who had played that year who ended up getting on an AFL list somewhere. Um, but for me, I, I had a couple of really early lessons. Damien Christensen was a coach who obviously played uh, some VFL footy, and uh, yes. he uh, he maybe he put me at full back. Um, I'd been a rover; I'd only grew really late, um, and he put me at full back because so I shot up in the space for about 12 months. And uh, <laughs> mum and dad are convinced it was uh, some steroids in the chicken at KFC because <laughs> I was there a fair bit working. <laughs> but um, yeah, I managed to. Uh, to play, yeah, started at fullback, and at quarter time in the first two games, he took me off and sat me on the bench and left me there. Yeah, because um, he told me that he wanted me to start. He identified that I didn't have the speed to just stand next to someone and chase them out. So he asked me to stand 20 metres in front of my opponent um, just to cut the angles and read the play. And yeah. that was a real turning point for me because I was pretty frustrated. But he uh, he managed to turn me around and, and show me about using my skills of reading the play. I can relate to this. It's a good apprenticeship. You know, you see kids uh, probably down at Geelong as I did at Parkdale and my dear friend Graham Bond did out at Ashburton. You see these kids that are always in the best players. They win the best and fairest. They don't go on with it. 
I reckon the biggest thing about it is when you get a little bit ahead of yourself is being put back down on your backside. And yep. by playing with better players than yourself at any competition, Nick, you can only improve. But if you keep on dominating that big fish in the small pond, when you get out into the uh, into the big pond, you can't swim. Yep, you're spot on, Rex. And uh, I guess now, uh, yeah, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but my role at GWS, obviously we have a lot of um, top draft picks coming through. And it's a different challenge to a rookie, whereas because they have been the big fish, they've been the best player, they're used to everything going their way. Um, when they do, when they don't get picked for a team or they get an injury or they get beaten in a game or something like that, then obviously that's something they're not as used to because they have been the best player coming through. So it offers a different challenge to that. If you get um, like a rookie coming through, he's had to fight tooth and nail for everything. Yeah. Um, Nick Maxwell, give us your, your, your clearest thoughts on arriving at the most famous football club in the Southern Hemisphere, the Collingwood Football Club, and, of course, meeting the very, very daunting meeting with Michael Malthouse. Yeah, well, I guess I, uh, as you said, I missed out on the Falcons um, on getting drafted, but I trained with Port Adelaide, uh, and then they said they didn't want me. I went to uh, Hawthorne, trained with them for about a month, and then they didn't want me, so I headed to North Ballarat and, and had a good year up there, and uh, from there, Geelong asked me to come and train with them, so I spent uh, about a month training with them, and and they didn't want me, Rex, so uh, I actually found out I'd, I'd sort of given up by that stage. Talk so about I, uh, some knockbacks there, uh, Maxie. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was actually on my way to um, uh, on my way in to meet some friends just before Christmas because the rookie draft had been pushed right back in uh, in 2002 and uh, I got a text message from a mate saying what well on the draft and I didn't know what he was talking about and uh, I rang him up and spoke to him and I was still very confused and I ended up looking down. I had all these voicemail messages and... Um, I thought, what's going on here? And I listened to the first one and said, oh, it's an old Judkins recruiting off from Collingwood to welcome the club. And I was like, yeah, right, and just deleted it. Just thought this one of my mates taking the piss and moved on to the next one and said, it's Mick Malthouse from the Collingwood <laughs> Footy Club. And I was like, yeah, of course it is. And I deleted that too. And then um, got down to the third one. It was uh, my manager, Peter Linton, who I thought, well, none of my mates would even know who, who Pete was. So um, that's when I started to think, what's going on here? And the fourth one was Nathan Buckley. So um, <laughs> found out I'd been picked to, to go to Collingwood. And, um, wow. Yeah, I got down there and uh, had a time trial first day. It was uh, the last day before Christmas um, when I got up there. And from there, it was just sort of, it was obviously Victoria Park. And um, and for me, I early on, I just wanted to find out as much as I possibly could about the club and about the history. I was, Gavin Brown was my bass coach. So uh, I sort of, didn't know as much as I needed to know. So I went and read his book. I went and read Darren Mullane's book. And I just wanted to find out everything I could about this, this historic footy club that yeah. everyone either absolutely loved or absolutely hated. So um, Mick was, uh, I mean, at that stage, Mick had never promoted a rookie permanently on the senior list. So I think it was probably more of an afterthought. There wasn't a lot of it going on. Um, and to be honest, my first year at Collingwood, I was actually, I wasn't a Collingwood footballer. I was a Williamstown footballer. They were our... Alliance. There were the and, reserves, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I spent the whole year down there. I only trained with the senior team once um, during the season uh, with, with the uh, Collingwood team once during the season. I was down there and I was lucky that Brad Gotch was a coach, but we had some, some great VFL players, uh, Troy West down there and Brad Lloyd. They were the co-captains and then Sam Cranage and Craig Smoker and Adrian Fletcher. So wow. all these guys who, who welcomed us with open arms into their Williams mm-hmm. culture. And uh, fortunately enough, we went on to, to win the VFL premiership that year. Great, and uh, and away you went. Did you find the expectation of not only the supporters, but of people sitting outside the fence on Collingwood, even when they had, in brackets with respect, an ordinary list was unrealistic, the expectation, because they were the carrying bush. They used to be the carrying bush, and now the magpies, they'll win. 
you find wearing a Collingwood Guernsey sometimes the expectations were too great? Yeah, I did when you sort of you went on. Um, obviously, early on, you, I mean, there was no expectations on me because I was a rookie, so no one really cared too much. If, if you happen to come good, then it's a bonus. But, um, but I think that for the actual, for the side, that was probably harder through um, 2007 onwards because we had opportunities. We uh, we made it, obviously, 2002 and 2003. I wasn't playing, but we, we lost grand finals, and then we had a, a mini-rebuild. And uh, 2007, we, we lost a prelim by under a kick, and... 2008, we, we won a final and lost the next one. And obviously 2009, the, the first year as captain, we lost the prelim. So I think everyone's yeah. expectations started to change and started to think, well, hang on, when when's our time coming? And obviously, uh, Shorey and the boys had broken the drought in 1990 and uh, it was starting to look like it was going to be another big drought for the Pies. Yeah. But, it, but it really means a lot more. We're going to take a break on behalf of Tobin Brothers celebrating the footy life of Nick Maxwell. And uh, join us, Relays, out of the break. And we'll be back shortly. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Well, Matty, it's just lovely to catch up with Nick Maxwell about his footy. And uh, as we go on, Nicholas, and just talk about the famous football club and the famous captaincy of that wonderful 2010 Premiership. Just a couple of short ones so people can get an idea of uh, what you're doing now. Uh, what are you doing today to make a crust? Uh, I've got a couple of roles, Rex. I'm, uh, I'm with uh, the Melbourne Storm as a leadership coach. I've been here for two years now um, and really enjoying that. Uh, I'm at the GWS Giants. Uh, started in November of 2015 as a leadership coach there and then uh, doing a little bit of help with the back line uh, and then obviously doing a bit of commentary. So I'm on uh, SEN and also... Uh, on Channel 7 occasionally on uh, on Sunday Arvo. So a little bit of everything, which is good, yeah. For yourself, what do you do for yourself, whether it's with your missus or your kids or whatever? What do you do when you've got a moment for yourself? Uh, just I try and spend as much time with the kids and also um, and, and helping my wife out. We've got three children who are five and under. So, yeah, that's a big um, job. I'll, yeah, obviously <laughs> travelling a fair bit with uh, with the Giants and the Storm and also with, with commentary. Yeah. Um, I sort of have to lean on her a fair bit, so um, I try to give her a chop out, but I also think in the same breath, I'm I'm doing as much as I can, working as hard as I can for myself and my family. I exactly, think today. I've got to put food, when, on, food on the table. Talking about correct. food, uh, Nick Maxwell, your favourite all-time food? Oh, mum's roast pork, I reckon. Can't go past that. A lovely that, bit Rick. of yeah. crackling, magnificent. And finally, <laughs> before we get back to Collingwood, who is your all-time favourite player either at Collingwood or in the VFL-AFL? It's uh, tough. Um, look, I think probably one of the one of the best I played with who taught me so much was James Clement. Um, he was a guy I really looked up to and yeah. ended up playing a similar role to. So him and, and now I uh, I just love watching Hodgie play. Obviously, oh. haven't seen him come through as a 16-year-old at the Falcons and, and how he's grown. and Captain how he's Courageous, really changed. a bit like yeah. yourself, mate. He's changed his life too. He's, yeah. uh, he was someone who was a bit of a lad from Colac. But, uh, oh, well, I think you've got to have a little bit of that uh, ingredient in you that we all know about. Uh, Nick Maxwell, it's been reported when Eddie McGuire announced the now famous succession plan uh, that uh, a number of players weren't happy, with, uh, which saw Malthouse replaced by Buckley, and you were one of them. Uh, I wasn't wasn't uh, so much one of them. Rex Link. Uh, there was a few of the boys who um, who came to me and sort of said, "Listen, what do we what do we do with this? We we've just won a grand final, and it looks like we'll we're a chance to win the second." And 
I just sort of uh, I said to the boys, listen, we just worry about what's in our control. Let's focus on the next step, which is the next game we play. We can't look at big picture, things like that. And um, I think that a lot of the time players get in the position where they think that you actually they're scared of change. Um, and I was sort of, I tried to embrace as much as I could. I knew the club had made a decision. Mick had been unbelievable for the club and for me yeah. personally, but it was going to be a new era. And, um, and I wanted to make sure that when Bucks came in, he had as much possible support as he could. And, and that at no stage, um, I guess anything to do with player, um, the player environment would threaten the success that we could potentially have in the future. So I wasn't so much a part of it who said, no, nah, we need, we, we can't allow this to happen. I was, this is a decision made by the club and yeah. I've got to do everything I can to, to help the players and help the club and help Nathan take you, over. You mightn't agree with it, but you actually do it because it's all about the club. The 2010 yeah. Grand Final... Uh, reportedly the youngest in more than 30 years. And uh, that goes back to the famous Richmond side where a lot of under-19 kids became men overnight under Hafey. <clears throat> you were just almost unbeatable in 2010 as far as attitude and a vision was concerned. You lost a few home and away games, but it's been reported that you've said publicly and privately, we're on a mission and we accomplished that mission. Although we drew that grand final, we were never going to get beaten in the replay. Would that be fair comment? Yeah, it's a fair call, Rex. I think that um, speaking to a lot of the players afterwards, because we were so young and, um, and so many guys hadn't had that grand final experience, uh, we just a lot of guys were overwhelmed by the whole thing and overawed. And, uh, obviously, when we looked at it, the, the replay, I looked at the review of it all and went through on the Monday morning. That was something I said to the boys that listen, we've you've been in this position. Look at your own performance. If you played poorly or, or you didn't play the way you wanted to, then a lot of people never get that opportunity to make amends or they might get an opportunity in five years or ten years. But in five days' time, you've got a chance to make amends. You can you can turn it around. And I promise you, if we win next week, no matter what happened in the draw or how you perform, that'll be forgotten because yeah. no one talks about how guys perform in the draw. They talk about, for example, Scotty Pendlebury. He'd been crook uh, during the week and, and he had a performance that... Obviously, he has such lofty standards. He didn't wasn't happy with his performance in the draw. Yeah. But he just gets talked about as being a Norm Smith medalist because he wow. was uh, the champion player who performed on Grand Final Day. I was fortunate to sit in uh, the 3RW commentary box for two stints for over 25 years, and it was just a great thrill for me to hear you say live on 3RW across the nation, I don't think we've ever seen 44 guys go to war like we did just then. How tough was it, Nick Maxwell, on that day to know that that was the case. But hang on, in under seven days' time, we're back here again, and this is life and death. Yeah, there were so many uh, just courageous acts from individuals, and even uh, like one that people wouldn't even talk about. Really late in that game, we broke out um, from half-back, and, and Jason Graham left his man 50 metres behind him and made a decision to go and, and bump someone and knock the ball out of bounds. I mean, if he didn't get there, if he was a metre slower, or a second slower, then the ball would have got over the top, and we would have scored for sure. So yeah. there was sort of... A lot of little elements. We know Lenny Hayes' goal and, and big mark by Goddard. There were so many little things that could have made the game go either way. But in the end, uh, you sort of gave everything to to that game. And to, to be able to reload after that, I think um, Eddie and, and Jeff Walsh and Mick were sensational in terms of they made us go to the function that night where you get around your family and friends and not have to um, go home and sulk about what happened but look forward. So there's a lot of things we did that I think worked for us, worked in our favour. One thing I did, I caught up with Cameron Smith from uh, from the Storm who... I just talked to him on the Tuesday about how they had to back up from Origin and make sure that they're ready to go for the Melbourne Storm three days later and just how what sort of focuses you looked at. And he was sensational for me in that time, just talking about um, focusing on everyone just playing their role and keeping it nice and simple. And fortunately enough, we did that next weekend. 
Thank you very much for joining us on This Is Your Football Life with Collingwood Premiership Captain Nick Maxwell. And special thanks to Tobin Brothers because we're saying it now. We're finding out about this wonderful career, which I reckon off the field is just warming up both in the media and by tutoring young kids coming through because this bloke we've got on now has done it the hard way and that's what it's all about. What do you think of the AFL pulling away from a replay of the grand final now on extra time? It sounded like the comment you made to me on 3AW that 44 guys just went to war. Well, have a spell and a leak and you're going to go to war again. That would have sorted out the men from the boys there, Maxie. It certainly did, Rexy. And uh, look, for mine, I think that um, it's the right decision in the end because of probably less because of that than the players, but more because just what everyone has to go through. I mean, the industry is a billion-dollar industry, so there's so many people affected by having to come back and do it the next week. So it's uh, it's not something that's uh, all that common in world sport. It's always sort of decided like golden points and all those type of things, extra time. So I think it's probably the right decision. We had a lot of people who um, had to change plans, and we had Shane O'Brien's wedding coming up uh, in Bali uh, the next weekend, so we had to all change all our flights so we could get there a bit later and all that type of thing. So there's a lot of things that went on for so many people around the country that I just think it should be decided on that one day and I think the AFL made the right call. Yeah, in my time at Richmond, you know, we had mongrels like Sheedy, Balm, Robert McGee, Ricky McLean who used to sort out their problems because there wasn't too many Channel 7 cameras hanging about. <laughs> uh, but you had the likes of Heath Shaw, Dale Thomas, Alan Didak, Benny Johnson, uh, Mr Pitchers himself, Dane Swan, the Rat Pack, the famous <laughs> Rat Pack. Did you have any troubles controlling these guys or was it like Sheedy, Bar McLean, and uh, and the rest at uh, at Richmond, they really were part of the nucleus of what the team plan is all about. Yeah, I felt you had to have different personalities, Rex. I think that if everyone, obviously, the scrutiny on footballers these days, uh, every single person, social media now has got an opinion on your performance. So I think that uh, you need those type of players to lighten the mood and to to be different. If everyone's vanilla, then it's a pretty boring place to be around. So. Um, yeah, I obviously got on really well with all those guys, and even though I had very different beliefs and I did different things on the weekend, but I think uh, those boys, they also knew that um, while they wanted to enjoy themselves and have a good time, they knew there were certain team rules that um, were non-negotiables, and that was because they were part of the discussions when we came up with them. I think it's important that the players actually have a say in, in what you want to hang your hat on yeah. and what values you want to have as a team, and, and fortunately enough, those guys... Um, I mean, we wouldn't have won a flag without those guys, not only their performance on the field, but also off the field being able to lighten the mood as well. Before we go, it's been lovely of you to chat with us and we appreciate your time on behalf of Tobin Brothers celebrating the footy life of Nick Maxwell. Without giving too much away, what's on your horizon personally? Uh, Coaching, more media, uh, bringing young kids to believe in themselves and you know as well as I do. Even when you're just not quite good enough in the ability stakes, if you've got the right attitude, eventually the cards will fall your way. What's in the immediate future for a recently retired Nick Maxwell? Look, right now, Rex, I'd love to see, uh, obviously, the Melbourne Storm and the GWS Giants. I'd love to see both teams or, or one or the other win a premiership uh, this year or the next year. I think that um, that's why we play footy and that's why I'm doing what I do with both those clubs. I want to see success. So yep. that's the immediate future. But um, I'm also doing a, a master's degree, so... 
Um, that's sort of, I guess, something that coaching isn't really my thing. I think that um, probably a little bit more down the lines of administration or administration CEO. Or, yeah. you, you've actually been, uh, you know, put in uh, in a possibility of succeeding Gary Pert at Collingwood. That mightn't happen yeah. that quick, but it's like my yeah. hair, Nicholas. It won't happen, but it won't happen overnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know, Rexy. I mean, that's uh, something one day uh, we'll see. But look, at the moment, I'm just enjoying what I'm doing and uh, and let the future take care of itself. You've been great, and uh, hug your children and your wife, mate, because you, you just got a loan of the kids, and it's a special time for you and your missus, and uh, it's a balancing act. But thanks for your time today and giving us an insight on one of the three remaining living Collingwood Premiership captains, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it, Nicholas. Thanks for having me, Ricky. And thank you very much to Nick Maxwell. We're here for Tobin Brothers Funerals, and a great performer has presence on stage. They work hard at engaging audiences, folks. Even after the curtain falls, they leave a lasting impression. And these qualities make them stand out from the rest. Tobin Brothers Funerals is a perfect example. After more than 80 years, they continue to shine. Tobin Brothers genuinely care for families, providing professional guidance and expertise, and strive to always be creative. These distinguishing qualities make Tobin Brothers Funerals the true performance they are. I'm proud to be associated with Tobin Brothers, promoting our great Australian game and its characters. Find out more at tobinbrothers.com.au. If you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at Rex Footy Life. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.